for nine years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And 30 years of Rosie on the House. On this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, shaking off a little tryptophan. Wednesday's Wall Street Journal had a picture of one of the two turkeys that were pardoned by Trump. The turkey's name were peas and carrots. There was no such lucky turkey at the Romero uh, household this weekend. In fact, we always have two Thanksgivings. We've got our regular Thursday Thanksgiving we have at home with just Amanda and the kids. And then the Friday... All the relatives get together. If we get together for one event a year, it's Thanksgiving. It's a perfect four-day traveling window. The weather's beautiful. All the cousins in Colorado get a little break from the cold weather. Uh, There's virtually nothing you can't do in Arizona. You could even, if you were crazy enough, you could put on a bodysuit and go water skiing at Lake Pleasant if you wanted to. So we've got, uh, I've got two Thanksgivings under my belt, literally. Right there. Under my belt. Uh, But that doesn't stop us from being here for you, the Arizona homeowner, as part of being every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Before we get to our topic of this hour, I just want to welcome Overhead Garage Door of Tucson, Southern Arizona. Garage Door company that just made it through the screening process and is online at rosieonthehouse.com, just under the garage door category. They've been serving Southern Arizona and Tucson since 1979. One of the many uh, reasons we love our referral network and the process that we go through in screening. You have to be in business locally at least five years. 40 is even better. On 39, I'll give them that, but 40 is even better. So welcome. If you've got a problem with a garage door or you're looking to upgrade your garage door, maybe a new decorative architectural feature for the front, maybe it's time to go insulated, you can find Overhead Garage Door at rosieonthehouse.com. Our topic of the month has been home finance following our 2018 home maintenance calendar. If you signed up to receive one, you'll get 2019 going out here in the next couple weeks. If you'd like a free home maintenance calendar, just let us know by emailing us at info at rosieonthehouse.com. And we'll get that out to you when they go to print. What it'll let you know is each month we focus on one specific topic. We dive deep. There's also uh, maintenance items on there that we cover every week, and it'll just help you keep on track with things that have to be done around your house, home, castle, or cabin. We're wrapping up Finance Month. The first Saturday, we had Galaxy Lending in. The second Saturday, we had the Rosie on the House Home Zada app featured on the financial aspect of the app and how it can help you manage the budget side of home ownership. Last week, we had the Tucson Trifecta, Hotchkiss Financial, Tierra Antigua Realty, and Seal of Approval Realty Services. If those three people had been used or a quality combination of those three services, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long would not have ended up in the money pit. We thought it would be fun to cover the money pit and compare it then versus now, what could happen, what wasn't likely to happen. It really is a a pretty funny movie. It's rated PG, so it's fairly appropriate for all audiences. There's a couple parts. I've got a four and a five-year-old at home. I'm kind of like, I mean, I know they don't understand it, but it was a funny enough movie by itself. You really didn't need to keep the German conductor through the 
rest of the movie past him coming home and kicking his ex-wife and his ex-wife's fiance out of his apartment in New York City, leaving them to go find a home on their own. Now, they're already almost $3 million in debt. Tom Hanks' dad had taken all the money from the company and run off with a young South American bride and, and left the country. Wedding snap of me and your new mom. We won't be coming to New York for the 2.9 million reasons that you are more than aware of, love, dad. Very pretty, your new mom. We used to be a respectable law firm. Now look at him. Looks happy to me. He steals the money. I get the bills. Tom Hanks says, this is New York. It takes months to find a place if you have money, and we're broke. So he's already setting himself up to be in a situation full of anxiety, which leads to bad decisions. You find yourself in that. I don't care if you're in New York, LA, Phoenix, Chicago. There's always a solution. Don't panic. Desperate decisions are rarely right decisions. In fact, Gary, have you ever had a, a desperate decision gotten that was the right decision? <laughs> I remodeled the house. Out of the 10, two of them were right. <laughs> I learned something, though. 20%. So 20% <laughs> of your rash decisions were right decisions. <laughs> and this is 1986. This is 32 years ago. And we'll get to that in segment four, comparing what the money then is equal to the money now. And the funniest thing about all that is this incredible home that they got from Tom Hanks's realtor was 80% marked down on the price. But when we get to the estimated cost of the remodel that happened... The, there was no money savings on the investment in this home by any stretch of the imagination. So past the initial panic, Tom Hanks has the idea that Jack can help him. Jack can help us. Isn't Jack in jail? No, 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 no. He got off with a small fine. Jack's a perfectly legitimate real estate agent. No realtor at RosieOnTheHouse.com has ever been in that situation, I can tell you that. It starts bad there. He picks the wrong person to help him. Tom Hanks questions him. If it's such a great house, why is it so marked down? And he says... If this gives you an idea of the type of person he's dealing with. Who knows? Uh, divorce, uh, loan sharks, drugs, sudden death. The point is, you get to capitalize on a fellow human being's misfortune. So, he's already, they're already in a situation where they're going to try and take advantage of somebody else to get into this home. So, they end up going and seeing the home and there's this long, grand entryway. And the homeowner opens the door with a drink in her hand. And by her presence, this isn't her first drink of the night. And there's all kinds of warning signs around this homeowner. And it's so funny because you see it all happening. Yeah, it's a movie and this is just pretend and this is all for entertainment. But these things do happen because we're when we're those people in that situation, it can be so hard to see all the warning signs or admit all the warning signs. And when you let emotion involved, emotion can mask over a lot of other things that are telling you warning, warning, warning. So the homeowner, she has all these little excuses for all these little tiny things like there's a bad step on this one stairway. She lights candles because she's saving money on electricity. She asks them to use the downstairs bathroom because all of her personal things are in the upstairs bathroom. You can tell she's just picking and choosing what they see and directing them, showing them all the pretty and the glitz and the glamour and the excuse that she uses to get them into this rushed buying scenario is hilarious. She tells them that her husband's being arrested by the Israel military because he used to be Hitler's pool man. 
I mean, I, I, I thought at first maybe that was a, a keyword for something in that era, like maybe a hitman or, you know, some other term of the pool, but it, it really isn't. And you can tell that because she now is giving them a drive back to the train station, which is hilarious. She's been drinking. She can't hardly speak clearly extremely emotional and they get in the back seat of a car and let her drive but tom hanks says hey by the way you have a beautiful pool and she just completely melts down israeli intelligence comes to the door israeli intelligence last tuesday that's why i gotta sell the house it turns out carlos was hitler's pool man so being pushed into that situation should have been another warning flag fabulous car what's it called again? it's a lincoln they don't make them like this anymore. It's a beauty. Do you like it? I'll throw it in to buy the house. That's very generous. I'm desperate for the clothes. Well, we need a little time to... There isn't any time. Expedition is Friday. Expedition? I'll tell you later. I need an answer by close of business tomorrow. Oh, you'll have it. By the way, you have the most beautifully kept pool I've ever seen. Oh. <laughs> what did I say? And then the finance side of things how they come up with the money for this down payment was based on threatening some young pop singer star entertainer there is a house i want to buy let's just cut to the chase okay what do you want i want you to loan me two hundred thousand dollars in cash no Betty! you shout at me i shout at you i need that money and you are going to loan it to me i will not yes you will no 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 yes you will i said you ten times that last year so what if you don't loan me that money i'll i'll not like you anymore all right never go into some kind of lending situation where you quote won't like somebody if they won't lend it to you anymore i know that seems so ridiculous to think how could that happen or not happen but i know from my standpoint there are certain people that if they ask me for money i would have a hard time saying no for just for the relationship aspect of who this person asking me is. Your kids, a family member. And then the final part is they're at the train station and Tom Hanks says, you hear that? The train's coming at the moment we decided to buy the home. It must be a sign. And then the train goes flying right past them and never picks them up. And they're both standing there with these blank looks in their faces and they still move forward. I mean, they, it was their omen they said that was supposed to and then it passed them by. They should have just let the house pass them by. And if they would have had a home inspection, even in that short window, you probably could have found a home inspector to get in by Friday. He could have caught everything that then happens in the rest of the movie and the sequence will cover next as the house starts to fall apart around him. And we'll talk about some of the engineering feats that happened in that, uh, some of the things that break the laws of physics. And then, of course, the contractor chosen to fix it all. Anna and Walter are young, single, and in love. They've got good jobs, fabulous address. futures, a magnificent new home that they bought for a song. Who says they can't have it all? It's going to be fun fixing it up. You'll see. This is an old house. It's going to need some work. Five grand, five thousand dollars? That's just a deposit. A little work. When do you think you can start? Just as soon as your check clears. A little care. Do you really buy this house? Yes, it is. <laughs> a little imagination, and it's going to be great. All the
pit. If they've got what it takes, it's going to take everything they've got. What's a Hollywood movie without a lot of make-believe in it? And there's definitely a lot of that in The Money Pit. We're going to go through the failures of the home that really just aren't practical. But what is realistic, when we're looking at the home, we don't know when the upgrades happen. Just like real life, when we go give an estimate for a home, very rarely do we have a complete track record of everything that was done from the home from the original blueprints to any add-on work or remodels that were done. And we know improvements have been made on this home because it was built in the 1800s and there's electricity in this home in 1986. They didn't build this home with electricity from the beginning. And judging by the decorative furniture and decor of the home probably sometime around the 50s or 60s and this movie was set in real time when it was made 86 so probably 30 years since any major improvement has been done it all starts in the very beginning when he's going out to get wood to fix the stairs the stairs the first indication something's wrong the second one is when he goes into the garage to get tools and you don't know what happens you just hear this noise and all this smoke and Tom Hanks comes walking out of the garage completely covered. I've never been to New York. Maybe the dust in New York is white. But he comes out covered in this white powder stuff. I don't think it's dust. Not ashes from any kind of fireplace. Probably not smoke of any kind. Poof. He comes out looking like, you know, Casper the Great White Ghost. Goes to... <laughs> goes back to the house to start working on a staircase and he's locked himself outside of his house. So he rings the doorbell, which creates this spark. Completely impossible to happen. A doorbell is running on low voltage, 12 volts. You couldn't create a spark out of that that would char wood. Wood doesn't catch on fire till about 180 degrees. To create any kind of power that would create a spark, it's hard to get that out of a regular 110 outlet, much less a 12 volt. So that's completely unrealistic. And after the doorbell fails, he starts knocking on the door and the door falls in off the hinges. That could never have happened. You see them go through that door that week two or three times. To be able to go through the door a couple days before, this is a grand mansion of a home probably 10 feet tall at least it's not your standard door for it to fall off the hinges with the ease that it did in this scene there's no way they would have been able to operate this door just two or three days later so that part's completely unrealistic there's no amount of termites or wood rot that could have happened to that door frame in a three period of time that could have ever created that and then the <laughs> what's really funny is he stands it back up. You see him screwing a couple hinges in. And he operates the door a few times. And he's satisfied with his work, closes the door. And then this time, the whole door frame <laughs> falls out of the frame of the house and goes forward onto the driveway. This is completely impossible. A properly built home. And this was in the 1800s. Wood's not quite the same. Uh, the way it's manufactured and milled, building practices aren't kind of the same. But there's a reason they used to say they don't make them like they used to. You know, there's a really good chance a home this size 
built in the 1800s as a mansion was done by someone with extreme wealth and probably done with extreme craftsmanship. You've got your jack stud, and that's the stud that the door's likely attached to, also supports the header. And there may have even been two jack studs based on the size of this door and the weight load above it from a second floor. Then there's the king stud that goes next to the jack stud and supports the side of each header that's then carrying the weight load from the trusses above. For this entire door to fail and fall through probably would have brought down parts of the home in that area because your structural weight load would have had to fail for this door frame to fall out with the header like it did in the movie. So completely unrealistic. It would have taken years for termites to eat that kind of wood. And again, they would have had an indication operating a few days before because they wouldn't have been able to easily operate this heavy door. Fast forward to one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie, and this is where Tom Hanks breaks down and he's laughing so hard. He starts sounding like a seal. He's, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. But there's so many flaws in this. They are trying to fill up their bathtub on the second floor of their home. This bathtub has four legs. So the weight distribution of this bathtub is on four points. And it takes just a few gallons of water for it to completely fall through the floor and hit the floor and shatter into a million pieces. Well, if you watch that scene closely when the bathtub falls through, there is absolutely no construction debris that comes with the bathtub or any water that splashes out when it shatters. You see them filling it with water and then the tub shatters and no water comes out. The water didn't evaporate from the first floor to the second floor. And again, where's all that construction debris? It would have had to gone through plywood. It would have had to come through some trusses that were probably 16 inches on center. Probably insulation would have been added. The ceiling probably wasn't drywall, so you would have had plaster on the ceiling. An extreme amount of construction material would have had to been in that crash when it came through the floor. And then finally, the wood staircase that falls apart. The way this this staircase starts to shake and fall apart one piece at a time would have taken more engineering to put together to create this movie scene than it would have to design and build the staircase by itself. Now that we've gone through all the things that weren't realistic with the movie, let's talk about the things that were realistic, like choosing a bad contractor. So now we're about 30 minutes into the movie and Tom Hanks finally decides that he can't fix this all himself and he needs to hire a contractor. And there are just as many warning signs in the contractor as there were buying the home as well. I mean, the warning signs are just binging everywhere and they continue to just ignore them, continue into this money pit uh, that they're diving themselves into. There's even a line somewhere along the way where... Tom Hanks turns to Shelley and says, you know, despite being in debt beyond my wildest dreams, I, I really do like the house, honey. <laughs> I, I, it, I don't know if he's just defeated at that point and he doesn't mind going further into debt. He's already made a bad decision on the home and he's in an extremely desperate situation now to find somebody to help him fix it. And it starts by the first phone call. You see him talking to the contractor and he says, well, how much money do you make? If you're on the phone with somebody and they're trying to get financial information out of you, don't give it to them. 
sure, when they come out, there's going to be a price. Money's going to have to be talked about because if you're hiring a contractor, it's obviously going to cost you something. And if we're doing a remodel or a renovation, our expenses can climb extremely quick. But in no circumstance should they ever be asking you about how much money you make. How you finance your projects in your home is completely up to you. Don't let somebody push you around about the money side of things. I know that's a very easy thing to fall into a trap of where you're proud or you want to be boastful or you're a little bit arrogant about your earnings. All you're doing is giving that person that much more of a rope to hang you with. Because <laughs> he's hang, cause they get strung out the whole rest of this movie with this ongoing theme during construction of, oh, two weeks. Oh, that'll take two weeks. Oh, we'll be done in two weeks. Oh, two weeks. The second part is when they show up on site. It's the Shirk brothers are the contractors that do the work in this movie. And this is a real home. It's on Long Island in uh, on about a five-acre parcel, if I remember correctly, that at the time of the movie was already 90 years old by itself. So the amount of expense that could potentially be here getting all the electrical uh, systems upgraded by itself could be a second mortgage. But the contractor shows up, one of the brothers, and he's the carpenter, and immediately starts coming on to Shelly. And it makes her very mad, and she's trying to kick him out. And Tom Hanks helps start pushing him out. Then he's like, who are you anyway? He's like, I'm the carpenter. I'll be going now. Well, then Tom Hanks completely reverses it. And he's like, he's supposed to be really good. He's supposed to be really good. Can't we make this exception? You don't make an exception for somebody that's a great carpenter that that obviously has very questionable principles. So then his brother shows up later. <laughs> and Tom Hanks asks, what can I get you? And he goes, you can start by offering me a drink. And it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Tom Hanks even challenges him on that a little bit. He's like, oh, yes, 11 o'clock. I'm sorry. You must be parched. Where are my manners? And a few seconds later, he's storming out of the home and drinks, I think it was scotch, but what looked like three or four ounces of scotch. And he's standing there at his car and he holds his glass out again. Tom Hank fills it up again. He downs that and says, well, if you give me a down payment today before I change my mind because I'm uh, I'm in a nice mood or I'm giving you off or whatever the case may be. But right there, uh, Tom Hanks breaks out a checkbook and writes him $5,000 to a guy that just consumes six or eight ounces of scotch and gets in a vehicle and drives away. That's not who you want to give your money to. And no work has started yet at this point. There's a part where they're covering bids and they are extremely, this was probably the most realistic part of the movie where they're looking at bids and it's like, it can't be that much. And he's all, are you kidding? You should see the bids from legitimate contractors. It's four times this amount. Well, first of all, four times off, that's a huge red flag. Sure, you could have an extremely high-end bid that's four times more than you know a touch-up job. So you've got to compare apples to apples. What was the four times the amount bid offering and what was the Shirk Brothers bid offering? A big part in getting estimates for remodeling projects is to get a list of exclusions. You don't realize how many items a remodeling project could exclude that you just assume are included. Um, it's a remodel. I'm redoing everything. So everything should be included. Lots of little things aren't. And those little things start adding up to big numbers. 
So they make the bad decision to buy the house on a rush. They make the bad decision to to go with the the Shirk brothers that they admit aren't a legitimate contracting company, and then they let them start the work. This is probably one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie where they're waking up in the morning and they hear this sound rumbling from outside and they go out and they look and here comes Shirk Brothers contracting to perform the work on the home and they've got the craziest assembly of vehicles and motorcycles and wrecking equipment and guys that look like they're from biker gangs just out of prison just pulled out of the bar from the night before I mean, a couple of these guys were probably playing darts and shooting pool four hours before this and they come and just start tearing apart everything now the actual demolition on the house wasn't real that was done in a studio this home has been completely renovated a couple times over its you know 100 plus life cycle but none of the actual work scenes were the home itself which only added to the end cost that they ended up having to pay to get the home fixed because there were so many things to the exterior that they just started breaking down the siding that wasn't even part of the problem at all. And in fact, throughout the course of the construction of this project, the exterior is very rarely shown. It's mainly all the interior, but all the demolition from day one <laughs> is is on the outside. And another common theme that kept coming up is, Aside from the contractor taking two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, everyone that kept showing up kept saying, it looks like they're testing missiles here. It looks like they're testing missiles here because of all the debris and rubble and how poorly this job is being executed. That is one tip we always use when we're directing people on how to select a contractor. Make them take you, the potential customer, to any one of their job sites or any two or three. And at random, you want to show up and see how clean are they keeping the home, how safe are they keeping the work environment, how are they handling the homeowner. There were two parts in the money pit that should have been a huge red flag. There's a mountain, it looks like a rat's nest of electrical cables all piled on top of each other. And Shelly's just trying to get the coffee maker to work and she's adjusting plugs here and there. And first of all, it you could never have pulled that much power from that rat's nest to operate all the tools that they had on site. But second on that is how they're treating the homeowner. There's a part Shelly goes into her bathroom and opens up her medicine cabinet to brush her teeth and you know what would be generally a cabinet. There's another contractor there, and he's got all of her personal items there and even comments on them. And it's an extremely uncomfortable scene and situation. So talk to the homeowner that this contractor you're interviewing is performing work on and see how they handle your living environment. Because it is a very difficult thing. It's a frustrating point. I don't know that you could ever get through a remodeling contract while you're living in the home and having the contractor remodel it, that you don't just have days where you sit there and, gosh, I just wish this was over. It's such a disruption to your life. You start questioning, was this even the right thing to do? Properly done, properly executed, and properly finished, it's absolutely worth it and many times needed on old homes. But living with the contractor while they're in your home and in your space and disrupting your lifestyle, which is the place that you go to rest at the end of the, your long work day to re-energize for the next day or the next week, 
It's exhausting. So check on that relationship between the contractor, the tradesman, and the customer that they're doing the work on. Okay. And, and then not only the relationship they're having, but the all the workers on site. I'm not saying they all need to be uh, great communicators. In fact, most of them won't be. As long as you've got one great foreman there, the rest of the workers don't need to be. But they need to be aware and they need to be <laughs> paying attention. The funniest scene in the entire movie all starts with Tom Hanks trying to go get some water to bring upstairs for a bath. And he comes out and there's a set of stairs and he's so excited to finally have stairs instead of having to climb up and down this extension ladder they've been using. Uh, He starts almost crying and breaking down and everything's going to be okay. We've got stairs again. So he goes and tells Shelly and she's like, great, I need the water. And he's like, I'm going. And he goes back and one of the workers interrupts him and starts talking to him. Well, where he interrupted him was on a plank that was suspended over a drop down to the first floor. So he stops, turns around, and is talking to one of the workers there while a workman, another workman, moves the plank over and Tom Hanks then finishes talking to this other contractor, turns around, and goes back to step where the plank was a few seconds ago without looking, and it's there, and he falls through. It launches this table saw up into the air and ends up cutting a support beam that drops this wheelbarrow back down on the other side of this plank Tom Hanks lands on that launches him back up and out of the roof, and he lands in the bucket of plaster, ends up on top of the roof trying to get himself reorientated, falls down the trash chute or falls into the trash chute that then falls over and collapses the entire exterior of all the scaffolding that sends him in a chute bucket down to the pond where the little statue pees on his head. All of this could have been avoided had the worker on the second floor alerted everyone else that he was changing where this plank over this opening in the floor was. He's making that adjustment. That's his responsibility to make sure everyone else is aware. And this leads us to the final segment where we cover the actual money and what we estimate the cost of this remodel would be and how that compares to what the original listing price should have been. What the hell was that? All I did was turn on the water. That's all? That doesn't sound good. No. You should see the... I guess it's the water. I don't know. It's revolting. Okay. So the plumbing's not perfect. We'll get it fixed. It's not the end of the world. You didn't see that water. Look, this is an old house. It's going to need some work. You've got to expect that. I didn't expect that water. It had legs. A little work, a little care, a little imagination, and it's going to be great. It's going to be fun fixing it up. You'll see. I don't know, Walter. I've never been any good at that kind of thing. What kind of thing? Work. You can't go into it with that kind of an attitude. You've got to be more positive. I'll try. A little care, a little imagination, and a positive attitude. What was that? Nothing, dear. 
Money, money, money! By the numbers this time, what did this whole project really take? They'd never really clarify how much time the remodeling project took. You see towards the end of it, after it jumps forward four months, the contractors say, oh, we'll be done in two weeks. But he said that so many times, you know it wasn't two weeks later. And There's no way they finished that amount of work in a two-month period of time. But here's what it all breaks down to dollar-wise. The home at the beginning of the movie, they said it should have been listed at $1 million, and it was listed for 200000 So they've saved $800,000 on this investment. This is a 14,000-square-foot home, according to the MLS listing of this property, on five acres. The property by itself is worth more than the home. There's no amount of money you could ever sink into this home and probably make it back when you're looking at owning five acres on Long Island. But they dump what we estimate, according to that time frame, 1986, where money was 130% less. So what would cost $2.31 today would have been $1.1986. Breaking it down just by average square foot construction of a complete remodel, obviously kitchens are more than bedrooms, etc. But you could tell this entire home is gutted and rebuilt. The average price per square foot in 1986 was between 3 and 3.6 million dollars. Now they only spent 200,000 on it, but still if that's the best case scenario, you're 3.2 million dollars invested into this project at a time it should have only been worth 1 million. Would the improvements add if they tried to resell it in that day? Sure, but you're not going to jump even in the time of this remodel, let's say it was a year for that size of home to be completely remodeled, you're not going to recoup that kind of money that was dumped into it. You need the time of real estate investment, a long time. It would have taken 15 or 20 years for the property and home value to reach a point he, they could have ever recovered their money back. That's just the home. Remember, he started this movie $2.9 million in debt. He's doubled the amount of debt he has, and the movie has a happy ending. There's a wedding scene, and everyone's joyful. There's six-plus million dollars in debt. You really think that's a happy ending? Sure, the wedding day was great. How long do you think they stayed happy? They woke up the next day and still had to figure out how are we going to pay $6 million. And selling the home wasn't an option. Again, they would have had to wait years to recover that money. The one redeeming factor at the end of the movie that gives you a little bit of joy is the dad that left the son in all this debt is seen paying for a house in cash from the same person that sold Tom Hanks this money pit is now selling the dad another home you're only led to assume is a big money pit. And his dad is now suited for this fate that Tom Hanks went through as well. So, so there's a little bit of poetic justice at the end of the movie. 
Now, what does that relate to in today's dollars? You're talking an estimated 7 to $8.4 million on the high end for this type of gutting job with today's building materials, the value of the dollar, the cost of construction, the overhead is incurred by a general contracting company. It's a beautiful home. It's a beautiful property. And it takes a lot of work to climb $6 million out of debt. But we're not even taking into account the cost to maintain this now that it's done. The size of that yard and the maintenance that this size of home requires, we estimated almost $20,000 per month. Yes, it's a movie. Yes, it's for entertainment. Yes, there's things in this that are so outlandishly creative that probably never happens in real life. But what does happen is people ending up in these money pit situations because they don't heed the warning signs and what their gut is telling them. You know, you always hear about the contractor getting the bad rap. If people wouldn't hire a bad contractor, we wouldn't have bad situations like that. It takes both parties making bad decisions, one being a scam artist of a contractor and second hiring them because you're trying to save this little bit of money. No scam artist contractor finishes the job the way that it finishes in this movie. So when you're looking to invest in your home, remember this. Every single minute you spend picking that contractor, putting your budget together, and executing the job will pay off in the end. A minute saved up front is going to save you 10 minutes behind. And even if that takes you six months to put a project together, if that takes you five years to put it together. I remember remodeling a contractor for a gal who had saved for 32 years for this project. Whatever that time takes, it will save you in the long run and it will protect your investment. These are our homes. This is where we live. It's the biggest single investment any of us will ever make. And when you get just the slightest gut hunch that something's not right, listen to that gut hunch. It's there for a reason. You may find out and prove it's wrong later, but don't ignore it. Spend the time to figure out why is this red flag here? Why is this annoying me? There's a reason. And whatever it is, probably going to cost you money if, if ignored. We'll see you all next Saturday right here at 7 o'clock sharp. If you have questions in the meantime, it's one 767 4348 or rosieonthehouse.com.